question is, what can the believer do? What strength, what confidence should the believer have in their life? Our strength, when the world's foundations are crumbling, is in Jesus Christ. One more time, lift it up with everything that you have. Welcome to the Fellowship of the Rockies radio ministry with Senior Pastor Charlie Jones. Fellowship of the Rockies is Pueblo's contemporary evangelistic church, and it is our hope that today's message will uplift and encourage you as we learn how God's Word applies to our lives every day. Join us for one of our three weekend services, Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m., or Saturday evening at 6 p.m. And now, Fellowship of the Rockies Senior Pastor Charlie Jones. This morning, I want to talk to you about this issue of the power of encouragement. And I want to talk to you about encouragement from, from a biblical perspective, because a lot of times when we get into this issue of, of, of encouragement, that we, we don't really understand what the word means. Uh, the, the word encourage comes from a 15th century word that was basically two words that meant encourage. It meant to, to put courage into someone, to fill someone with courage. So, of course, a compliment is a part of that, to catch them at doing something good. And this is what I notice in your life that you're doing good. And usually that's all we think encouragement is. And that's so superficial because the biblical definition of the word encourage is so much deeper than that. See, the word encourage literally means to be willing to speak truth into someone's life. So it may be a compliment, and yes, that's part of it, but it also may be correction, and it may be instruction. It may be correction or instruction to the point to where we come to the point and we say, you know what, I am concerned about you. Maybe you don't understand where this is going to lead. Maybe you don't understand your actions. And so part of encouragement to put courage into someone is to speak truth into their life in such a way that I want to place courage in you. Or I want to encourage you to live a life of purity, to live a godly life. Maybe you have some blind spots. Maybe you don't understand. And you know if you've ever had those conversations with someone, it is so difficult. But encouragement is critical in the life of the believers. And so, so Paul gives us here in, in first, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I hope you have your Bibles. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to start reading in verse 2. And we're just going to look at three principles that, that Paul gives the church about this issue of encouragement and, 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 how, it, and how it just plays all out. Because uh, anyway, the first one is this is a church body needs encouragement from its leaders. The first one is this, is that a church body needs encouragement from its leaders. If you've ever attended a church to where that didn't happen, you know why that is so critical. If you've ever gone to a church and it was like their motive or their aim of every Sunday was to let you know what a big bad sinner you were and how you fell and how you didn't measure up and they used guilt to manipulate and, and to where there were many times that you left church more depressed than when you walked in. And to where you understood and they wanted you to understood, understand about, about your life and your shortcomings and things you should have done and you could have done differently. And so if you've ever been a part of a church like that, you know that a church, a church body needs encouragement from its leaders. But it comes, it's multifaceted. It's not only compliments, but sometimes it's, it's instruction and sometimes it's correction. Now, the Apostle Paul, a little bit about context, he had corrected the church. He'd sent a letter out to them, the Corinthian church, and there was some correction. There was a rebuke in there. It was harsh. And so Paul was worried that it had been too harsh. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and, and we're going to look at verse 8, uh, at verse eight uh, and then we'll come back. But watch this. Here's what Paul says. 
For even if I made, for even if I made you grieve with my letter, so this was his rebuke, this was his instruction, this was his encouragement. There were some things going on in their life. There were some sin issues that kind of needed to change. There were some behaviors that needed to change. And so Paul says, even if I, I, I grieved you with my letter, I do not regret it. Now watch this, though I did regret it. I mean, he's conflicted, right? I mean, you know this, if you've ever had to correct someone, if you've ever had to instruct someone, if you've ever had to encourage someone in this way, you know this is true. You know down deep, I didn't really regret the conversation because I love you and because I care for you and because I want the best for you. And uh, there's some things going on in your life and if you continue on this path, it's not gonna end well for you. And so I really don't regret having that conversation because of my love for you. But I did regret it. See, the reason that Paul regretted it was the Corinthians was because it grieved their heart. It hurt them. It devastated them in some ways, emotionally. Then if you've ever had those tough conversations with a, with a child or with a friend or with a spouse or with a loved one, we... You can relate to this. I really regret the conversation. I do regret the hurt as a result. Now watch this. For I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. That's why he didn't regret it, because they made a change. They responded. They, they changed some things in their life, and they began to, to line up. And, and you've got to understand this issue of, 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 of encouragement. It's just not, listen, encouragement is meaningless if it's just flattery. Encouragement is meaningless if it's just one compliment right after the other. Watch this. Here's what Proverbs says, Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Another, wo another way to phrase that is, a true friend stabs you in the front and not the back. A true friend speaks to your face. A true friend speaks truth into your life. They don't gossip about you. They don't talk to everybody else about you. They come directly to you. It's not very public, and they, they talk to you about that and encourage you. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. I mean, we know that, right? That if it's, if it's one compliment after another, if it's just flattery, if it's just, have, have you ever been around someone and you met them for the first time and they were like complimenting you about everything? I mean, whether it was your clothes, whether it was your car, whether it was your education, whether it was your ability, whether it was your personality, and down deep you knew I'm just not that smart, I'm not that nice looking, I'm not that funny, and those whole things. Didn't you kinda, didn't it lose its value after a while? Didn't you kind of wonder what's up with this? Is this are, these, are they for real? Look what Proverbs says, Proverbs 29.5. A, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. It can be a trap. Biblical encouragement is balanced. It knows when to correct, when not to correct. It knows the words to say. It knows how to go about it. See, Paul encouraged the church, but not with flattery. And there were some things that allowed Paul to speak truth. And these are the things that we need in our life to speak truth into to someone's life. And, and the first thing, the first reason that Paul was, was able to speak truth into their life and he was able to, 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 to encourage them is because Paul led a life of great integrity. 
If you're gonna speak into someone's life, if you're gonna correct and rebuke and encourage and compliment, then you have to live a life of integrity. Watch this, verse two. Make room in your hearts for us. We have wronged no one, we have corrupted no one, we have taken advantage of no one. In other words, I didn't use you. I didn't exploit you. I didn't use the church for my agenda. I didn't use the church for my gain. The death to a church, the death to an organization is when a pastor or a leader begins to exploit and use the people. And Paul said this, listen, I'm a man of integrity and transparency. I have wronged no one. I have used no one. I have corrupted. There's not one of you that I've taken advantage of. And he lived his life in front of them. And they knew he lived a life of integrity. And when he spoke truth into their life and truth into to, to their actions, they didn't have to wonder where the agenda was or what was going on. The second thing about him is the reason he could speak it to them is he had this sacrificial spirit. He had this sacrificial love. I mean, they had watched him sacrifice along with them. Verse 3. I do not say this to condemn you, for I said before that you are in our hearts. What an unbelievable encourager, a person that is correcting, and he he didn't remove his love or his acceptance from them. That's a special encourager. He still loved them. He still wanted to know that even in correction, I love you. Yeah, I didn't say it to condemn you. I said before, you're still in my hearts. Open wide your hearts. Remember, we looked at that last week. And then he says, to die together and to live together. Now, let me just talk to you about translations of the Bible. This is where the NIV is, is going to let you down. And I love the NIV. I've used the NIV to preach it, and I just recently changed. But the NIV is a dynamic translation. In other words, the NIV translates thought for thought. And I have moved to a word-for-word translation, New American Standard, ESV. I use the ESV, which is, which is a Greek. I mean, it goes word-for-word word from the Greek and from the Hebrew. Now, this is so important here because when the NIV translators translated that out and said we live together and we die together, a common phrase in their time, and ours as well, when you would exp- express a relationship, con- kindred spirits or whatever, you say, hey, we live together and we die together. In other words, this bi- bond, this band of brothers, you know, football or whatever, we live together, three musketeers, we live together and we die together. And Paul said, that's what the non-Christians say. But as believers... Watch this. It's Christology. He says, we die together in Christ. And we live together in Christ. He's communicating this deeper bond. You got a bond with other believers deeper than the world. See, the world says we live together, we die together. That's all there is. That's it. It's temporal. No, believers, deeper bond. The reason we encourage each other, the reason we correct, the reason we rebuke, the reason that we compliment, the reason that we encourage people to live a spiritual life and live pure and all that other stuff is because believers, we're way different than non-believers. And we have a future death in Christ. And if we have a future death in Christ, then guess what? We have a future life in Christ in eternity with one another. That's why we encourage each other on. That's why we speak truth into their life. We're not temporal like the non-believers. He said, that's why we encourage to the level that we encourage. Verse five, look at this. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn. Talk about a sacrificial spirit. I mean, 
there's something about someone that sacrifices for an organization. I was watching the, the, the Vikings and the Saints game last week, and, and when they annihilated Brett Favre, and they, they like drag him off of the field, and, and uh, then the next thing you see, he's on the trainer table, and man, they're taping him up, and he says, I'm going back in, you're going to have to take me out on the stretcher. There's something about that type of spirit that raises the level of the teammates that play with them. There's something about that sacrificial spirit when we work with someone, we do life with someone, and we see them sacrifice. And we, uh, it just raises our spirits. So that's what Paul said. I have sacrificed for you. And he says, afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. is so transparent of his life. Fighting without was not physical fighting. It was quarrels. It was relational problems. It was, remember, they were, we've looked at this. They were criticizing him and they were questioning his motives and, and there's a group of people that were trying to hurt him and the Corinthian church was anything but loving. And Paul begins to talk about, and still I face daily concern for the church and, and then he's so transparent, he says, I have fights without. In other words, I got some relationships are going on and some people are saying some things that, that are very hurtful and, and painful to me and I have wronged no one and I've exploited no one and I've corrupted no one and I've taken advantage of no one. And he said at the same time, and you know this if you've gone through this, when we have fights without relationships that aren't where they should be, we have fear within, right? That was Paul. Paul said, I got fights without. I got relationships that aren't right. I got relationships that are hurtful, that are painful. And I got fear within. What's going to happen to the church? Is it going to make it? What's going to happen with our relationship? I got deep fear within. He was transparent. And, and then by affirmation, he was able to speak in their life. Watch this. I, I'm acting with great, am I acting with great boldness toward you? I have great pride in you. I am filled with comfort in your affliction and I'm overflowing with joy. And Paul knew how to affirm them, even, the, even in the midst of correction. He knew how to correct without removing his love, without removing his acceptance. He was still, I'm still proud of you. See, if we're only proud of someone because of behavior, then when they don't perform, they can be unsettled in the relationship because they, they view and believe that you don't accept them. Or you're no longer proud. That's how come he was able to speak into their life. The, the second thing is this that we got to understand. is not only do, does the church need encouragement from the leaders, but the church leaders need encouragement from the body. I mean, you're going to see this cycle of encouragement. You're going to see this, the power of encouragement that's just kind of played out, that a church leader needs encouragement from the church the same way as a church needs encouragement from the leader. Watch this, verse 5. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies were filled, uh, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting uh, without and fear within. Listen, you normally don't think of a man like Paul having fear within, Right? I mean, sometimes we build false beliefs, especially if there's a strong leader, especially if there's someone good at what they do or they're accomplished or, or whatever, to where we could build these false beliefs and we can believe that, you know what, they are so good. They have so much confidence when, 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 they're, when they're doing ministry or doing life or in their job or in their profession. They have so much confidence. That person probably never needs encouraged. The opposite is true. I mean, Paul was worried he had fear within. Even though on the outside, he could appear to be very, very good at what he did. And he was, and, and very bold. 
uh, the biography of Abraham Lincoln, there's, a, there's an interesting se- section that when Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, they, uh, they took and, and took the contents of his pockets and emptied them, and then they had to uh, have an accounting of what was in there. And so the biographer that looked at his life said there are a few things that in Abraham Lincoln's pockets. There was, there was some Confederate money, there was a pocket knife, and then he had a, a wallet. And then in his wallet was a, was a folded up, really, really yellowed newspaper article that had been read so many times it was frayed. Fact is, the biographer said that, that it, it about split into four parts when they unfolded it. And so obviously he read it a lot. And you know what it was? It was an editorial that was written about him. And, and the guy that wrote the editorial said, that even though Abraham Lincoln is one of the most criticized Americans right now, I believe history will show that he will go down in history as one of the greatest presidents we've ever had. We don't picture the leader of the free world and a president off to the side in the Oval Office with with a candle and opening and folding and reading and says, someone believes in me. I am making a difference. Look what Paul says in verse 6. But God who comforts the downcast. So Paul admitted that when we're discouraged, God's, God's, the, the, God's the comforter, the Holy Spirit. God's the one that encourages. But you know what I've learned? Sometimes we just need someone with flesh on, right? Can I tell you what I do when I get discouraged? I've got an encouragement file that I keep. And every note, every email, every card that I get goes in there. And when I get discouraged and wonder if I'm really making a difference and if it's really worth it, I pull that encouragement file out and I pour. I pour over those things. And so Paul would say that, yeah, God's the one that comforts, but watch this, but, but we were also comforted us by the coming of Titus. God met Paul's need of encouragement through a close friend by the name of Titus. Verse 7, we'll go on. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you. As he told us of your longing, your mourning, now watch this, and your zeal for me. That was water on a dry desert. You still love me? You still have zeal for me? Verse 11, for see with the earnestness the godly grief has produced in you, but also the, the eagerness to clear yourselves. What indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point you have proved yourself innocent in the matter. So although I wrote to you, it was not for the sake of the one who did the wrong, nor for the sake of the one who suffered the wrong, but in order uh, that in your earnestness for us, for us might be revealed to you in the sight of God. Therefore... We are comforted, and besides our own comfort, we rejoice still more at the joy of Titus because his spirit has been refreshed by all of you. Encouragement is a cycle. The last thing is this, is a, a church needs encouragement from the leaders. A, a, a leaders. The leaders need encouragement from the church. And then the last thing is this, is, is that we need to be willing to encourage those around us. I mean, we need to be willing to encourage. Who, who, who are you encouraging? And is it balanced? I mean, it's not easy being the bearer of bad news. I mean, that was Titus's problem. 
He carried the letter that Paul had wrote. I mean, back in those days, you couldn't send a text message, you couldn't email, you didn't even have a postal service. So letters that were written had to be hand-delivered. So Titus was the representative from Paul. Titus was the one, the bearer of bad news. You know this, it's tough to be the bearer of bad news. It's tough to be the person that looks someone in the eyes and says, there is a problem. There is something that needs to change. And Titus was that, problem, that person. And so when the Corinthian church, when they became uh, defensive and angry before they processed through it, they lashed out at, man, they lashed out at, at Titus. And every one of us needs a Titus in our life. And every one of us needs a Paul in our life. And every one of us needs people that will, incur, that's why life's, Groups are so important here. Whether it's our ladies' Bible studies, men's Bible studies, or life groups. That, that you're in community with someone that can encourage you and speak truth into your life. I mean, we have a goal to start, start 20 life groups in, in the next coming months, and we're going to do sermon-based life groups, and I've talked about that. And we've had eight leaders sign up, and we've had eight people sign up for host homes. And so we need like 12 more. And and this is so critical to the life of our church. And if you just pray about that, if you want information about that, you can sign up and, and Dwayne will contact you. But we just need people around us that love us and care for us that will not only compliment us, but they will correct us because we all have blind spots. Scripture says we can be blind some, to some things in our life and sometimes when you have people on the outside looking in, they can speak truth into your life. Verse 14, for whatever I boast I made to him about you, I was not put to shame. In other words, Paul says, Titus, when you give them this letter, they're a great group of people. They're gonna respond positively. Don't you worry. But just as everything we said to you was true, so also our boasting before Titus has also proved true. In other words, Paul was relieved that it, it worked out. And, but the, the thing sometimes we miss in scripture is the period between the rebuke and their repentance. Sometimes we want it immediate and it may not come immediate. Verse 16 or 15 and his affection to you is even greater. As he remembers the obedience of you all how you received him with fear and trembling I rejoice because I have perfect confidence in you. When a Christian makes a mistake and sins and, and they genuinely repent, change of behavior, change of mind that leads to a change of behavior, then we have a responsibility to not only to forgive but to, to trust again. And encouragement must be honest for it to be effective in life and and it must be balanced. Encouragement is so important in life. And, and uh, you know, we've adopted Span Elementary School and the chieftain did a wonderful article on our church about uh, the effect that it's had and everything that's gone on there. And, and we'd bought the kids a bunch of, of hats and gloves. And I got an encouragement note from one of the children. And I kept this on my desk forever. And so I scanned it and we put it in the computer. Can you guys put that thank you note? This is from a young man at Span. He said, Dear Fellowship of the Rockies Church, thank you for the hats and gloves. Now I don't have to freeze my butt off on cold days. <laughs> I'm really glad I got a hat and some gloves so my ears won't be cold or my hands on cold days. 
Thank you for your hat and gloves, sincerely, John. I'm, I'm just telling you. We have to be willing to encourage. There's no special words. There's no magic words. It's just a simple thank you. That what you did for me was meaningful to me. Man, my question to you this morning is, who are you encouraging? You have been listening to the Fellowship of the Rockies radio ministry. At Fellowship of the Rockies, you will find a relaxed, friendly atmosphere, uplifting praise and worship, and life-changing groups for adults and teens. Fellowship of the Rockies is a community-oriented church where you can build lasting personal and spiritual relationships. Fellowship of the Rockies is located at 3892 West Northern Avenue, next to Kmart. We have three weekend services, Saturday at 6 p.m., Sunday at 9 a.m., and Sunday at 1045 a.m., all with fully staffed children and student ministries. For more information, call the church office at 544-5000. Fellowship of the Rockies, connecting God, people, and community.